You pray for me, I pray for you, and we'll get started. That's good enough. Let's go. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to, man, worship you together. And thank you for the sun that's made its appearance here. Uh, man, in Indiana, we've missed it. And, Lord, uh, even though um, I know the, the joke and the complaint is we go up and down so much in this state, our temperature is 70 and 30 the next day, God, we're just thankful. Um, we're thankful for the sun and nice weather and opportunity to, to worship you. Father, I pray for everyone here. Uh, God, I believe fully, in fact, I know it, uh, that today, whether they ever come here again, that you had a reason, a divine appointment for them to be here, and I pray their hearts would be open to that, um, to your word, and what it is uh, you would um, have to say to them. And I pray, God, that I would be able to preach your word and only your word, and that I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ, name we pray, amen. What a weird, it's kind of, we're slanted today. Where's Muscly Luke at? You probably know. Wow. Krista, please, why don't you pay attention where everyone's at? Anyway, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd, uh, which I've said again for the second time. You, If it's your first time or you haven't been in a while, we're in the midst of a series called Of Kings and Queens, and it is talking about uh, biblical manhood and womanhood, and we're kind of going to do them together. A few years ago, we did a series called Be a King, Find a Queen, and um, this is sort of, I guess, the, the what's the word, the out sprouting? That's not a word. But uh, it's sort of the next step in that, and we're going to talk about both. Now, there's a ton of stuff. Essentially, I kind of feel like I'm doing two messages a day or a week. So we got to, unless you want to be here till one, which you guys struggle when it's like, what is 1130? About 1145. So I got about 15 minutes. Um, but, you know, Mandy said this at the beginning. When it, when it comes to talking about gender in our modern culture, that is a hot button topic. People don't want to do it. It's you particularly those of you under the age of 30, you have been conditioned to believe that, um, that someone telling you what a gender is, that gender is made up, that sex is, is, is all made up and all these things, and it's unfortunate because you've been lied to. And here's the, here's the thing. There's many, many reasons. Part of it's being connected, but here's another thing. If you don't think that your confusion and the lies you've been told about who you are and what you are and what that means doesn't affect your high rate of depression, your high rate of anxiety, your high rate of all of those types of things, um, well, you're wrong. It does. <laughs> so uh, I think for you, you folks under that age, it's probably a little more difficult to hear than others. Um, though, you know, all of us have been affected to one degree or another, including in the church. Listen, make no mistake about it. This has infected the church. Um, 100% it's affected the church. Pastors are afraid to talk about it, uh, even me, and I like to consider that I'm bold or offensive, depending on how you want to look at it, um, that it's, even I have second thoughts sometimes about how to say certain things in a way that you'll listen, because it's, it's, it's offensive. But here's the thing, the cross is offensive. Jesus is offensive. And if you don't believe he is, then, then you know, maybe you aren't listening to the actual gospel and the truth. And it's only offensive if you resist the truth, resist the reality of our situation. So just want to preface that. Um, last week we talked about the serious problems we have in this culture. Of uh, I'm going to mess with this a lot. I'm so sorry. They, it got messed with. I just want to make one that's made of iron that doesn't ever move. It's so frustrating, <laughs> believe it or not. <sighs> I'm starting out really well today. So we talked about the serious problems we have in this culture, fatherlessness. Uh, you know, the, the incredible percentage of uh, children that do not live with their father. Um, 
I believe a quarter of, of children don't even have their father in the same state. <clears throat> uh, rising divorce rates. Um, no, it's not exactly the same uh, in the church as outside the church. You've been lied to there, but it is really close. Uh, women far outweighing men in uh, churches and ministries. 93% of all people in prison are men. Um, people aren't getting married as early. I don't know if you know that. Uh, the average age, of course, back in the day, you know, my parents got married at 18, 19. I know a lot of parents. How many parents do you know your parents were, or you, were married at between 18 and 20? Okay, yeah. That doesn't happen. I think the average age now, if, if you go by this year, is like 28. Isn't that wild? Now, again, I, I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is I think this all has a part in that. Um, <clears throat> men are struggling to know who they are and what their purpose is. It's affecting our families. It's affecting our churches, communities, and cultures as a whole. Uh, we're made in the image of God. We talked about this last week, right? We're kind of talking about men. I'm going to talk about women in a second. Men, we're made in the image of God to tend the garden and rule the kingdom. And there seems to be confusion, confusion about that, review, rule their kingdoms. Listen, tend their garden and rule their kingdoms. Rule their kingdoms is not ruling your house. That actually falls, taking care of your house is under tending your garden. Ruling the kingdom is doing kingdom work. Right? It is walking out and preaching the gospel and living out what it means to be a Christian. Tending your garden is when you go home, do you take care of your business? It doesn't matter if you have, you're married or single. Do you work if able? If able. Do you take care of your responsibilities? Do you step up? Do you reflect God in a world that wants to get rid of him? That's ruling your kingdom. It's part of ruling in his name. Tending your garden is do you take care of your, I already said that, take care of your family, et cetera, and ruling your kingdom is about showing the world who he is. And I, I, from what I heard last week in some of the discussions, there was some confusion on that. <clears throat> we are made for more. And even the idea of your home, I'm going to go back to that for tending a garden. You know, men, we are called to lead, and we're going to get that. Ladies, you don't like that. That's okay. It doesn't, but that's the truth. And men, you're called to lead, but that's why it's important to distinguish that you're called to lead. I don't actually put under ruling the, king, ruling the kingdom. I put it under tending your garden. It's taking care of it. You don't go out and if, if, you know, in a garden, and if one of the plants angers you, you just tear out every carrot there and throw it across the room. That's, that's a waste of a garden. No, you take care of it. You nurture it. You help it to be healthy and grow. You feed it when it needs to, right? You don't put it in, you don't put a garden under a giant tree where there's no sun, right? You take care of the garden. <clears throat> By the way, do you get to determine what is healthy for a garden? Think about that. Do you get to decide, well, you know what? I'm going to pour vinegar on it instead of water, and that will make the garden grow because you like vinegar. No, what the garden needs to grow and be healthy is already determined. So many times, you know, there's a lot of you men out there that you say, well, I'm naturally quiet. I'm an I-N-S-T-P-G-F-Q. And then I'm a wing 714 flying bird on the scale, right? These things are all good, but they're not justification to sin. They're not justification to not love your wife, speak into her life. Speak into her life. <clears throat> oh, man, there tends to be two different types of people in here, guys, by the way. This is not in my notes. I told you, I'm all over the place. Sometimes it happens. Okay, you're just, we're all going to be on a wild ride today. I can already tell. There's two types of guys. There's guys in the, three types. Guys in the room who shame themselves, and they're like, man, that's me. And, they, and it's hard to hear, but they want to. Men that are angry grumps who glare at me the whole time and think I can't tell because you don't want to be told anything because you're a man. Here you roar, right? Um, no, you're not. Boys can't be told truth. 
Men hear truth. They don't try to change truth to fit their desires. They change to fit truth. And then you have the third ones. These are the guys who have arrived. And everything I say, they're like, yeah, I already do that. I wish other men would. You know, not that all. <laughs> find the good one, all right? We all have something to take from this. If your entire, every time you come to a sermon, all you do is, is, can, is just act like you're up here preaching with me, that's great. You probably do a better job than me. But it, it, what's that tell me about your heart and your spirit? What, you know, you can find something. <clears throat> all right, anyway, men, we're made for more. We're made for more than what we do. I told you last week that the words that most women, if they're honest, Right. Women in their flesh, that's what I'll say. When they think of guys, and honestly, we don't really have a way, reason to complain. We are lazy, boyish, angry, bullies, weak, irresponsible. Well, I work every day. Yep, and then you hand over the check and go sit down and eat your TV dinner. Go to sleep, wake up, and do it again. And somehow you're giving a piece of paper that's money to, to your spouse and giving them all the weight and responsibility makes you a man. No, it doesn't. Do you step into the hard situations? Do you? Then the flip side of that, too, is the, the rage monger. That's what I call it, right? You know, you rage and you stomp around and you make everyone step, act like they're walking on eggshells because that's the only way you feel like you're in control because really you don't carry any weight, so you like to make sure everybody's still afraid of you. <clears throat> Most of the <laughs> never mind. See, I'm getting better. I'll keep that to myself. We're made for more than this, guys. We're made for more than this. Instead of rising up to our purpose, we've taken the easier way out of putting on masks. We talked about this last week. We've taken, put on masks. We've taken other roles instead of taking our place. And I'm going to go through these quickly. We got these guys? The masks of men, I'm going to say it just in case you're here last week. Instead of being who God's called you to be, we all fit in these little categories. Todd, I don't fit into any of them. Huh? There you go. Then you do. You already do. All right? Number one, the jester. I'm going to go through this really fast. The jester, he's the funny guy, the entertainer, the athlete, whatever it is, okay? He, he, everything is a joke. Everything is about him. He can't be serious unless it's part of the act. He takes his identity from entertaining people. His self-worth is tied to how much notice he gets from the crowd. You see how that can be, could be the athlete, right? Could be sometimes even the workaholic. Look at me. I worked. It's always about him and what he brings. Look at my gift. Look at what I can do. Look at my, you know, I'm entertaining. I'm, I'm pleasing. <clears throat> the, you have the mercenary, the second one. The mercenary, he's the tough guy. He's domineering, scary. He threatens people. He's the one that makes people walk in eggshells. He doesn't need anyone. He's a know-it-all. He will succeed no matter who he has to step on. If it's his family, if it's his coworkers, if it's his church, if it's his kids, it doesn't matter. I will be at the top, usually at the expense of someone else. He's a warrior. He's a fighter, but he only fights for himself and what's best for him. Unfortunately, guys, and then we talked about this last week men's group, right? The temptation is everyone's like, I'm the mercenary, because you know why? The world rewards that. Other men reward that. Business rewards this. CEOs, a lot of times this is who they are. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it won't work. I'm just telling you it's empty and it's wrong. Number three, you have the gentle man. I'm moving fast because it's not the point of today. Right? This is the nice guy. This is the one very popular in church today. He always pleases. He's, quote, gentle, kind, never rocks the boat, but he gives to get. I'm kind and sweet so that you... 
You tell me I'm a good man. You tell me I'm a good church man. Uh, often looks like the perfect husband, particularly in the church, on the outside. But his wife is often tired, stressed, and passionless at home because she carries all the weight. I call him the puppet king. He looks like the part, right? But it's, he just does whatever he's told. That's another. Guys, here's the thing. Men don't want to admit this, but it's incredibly popular. You could call this the boy, too. Your wife is a mother instead of a partner. And we have the playboy. <laughs> That's what I could come up with, right? Who is this? This is the womanizer, Mr. Smooth. He looks good, smells good, speaks well, leaves behind a trail of women. Gets his identity from the attention and adoration of women. He is sexual. He is charming. These guys get, you know, <laughs> these guys, you're all kind of like, eh, he's this greasy guy. climbing. No, they're not always disgusting. You know that? Typically, men are going to be attracted to the image that they're naturally gifted with, to the mask that they're naturally gifted with. Make sense? So a lot of times, these are good-looking men. They're charming men. And listen, ladies, you reward it. You reward it. Because it's nice to get his attention, but the problem is he's just going to use you. And then we have the king. Right. Go ahead and put it all up there. Who is he? The king is who we're made to be. We follow and imitate the king of kings. Who is that? Who's the king of kings? Jesus Christos. Jesus, yeah. Right? He laughs. He fights. He leads. He pursues one woman. Right? You see what I'm doing here? Laughs. So does the jester. Right? He fights. So does the mercenary. He leads. He pursues one woman. He does the opposite. See, the gentleman doesn't lead. He just has the appearance of it. He pursues one woman, right? He actually, that even means sexually husbands. <laughs> it's the only way you can do it, right? He pursues one woman. He tends his garden, rules his kingdom, and he can use all the other rule, roles without being defined by them. Where did you get this in the Bible? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Women have a role in all this as well. As true femininity has been allowed to be replaced with feminism, you've all been affected by it. Every single one of you have been affected by this. Male, female, kid, young, old, it doesn't matter. You've been affected by this. Okay? By the way, I believe feminism, the idea of it early on was a good thing. But you are lying to yourself if you think what it is now is what it was meant to be or you were sold. Feminism, which instead of being about protecting the dignity of women, has now become about redefining femininity as something weak, anti-male, hard, and beauteous to be despised or weaponized. Even within the church, this has seeped its way into our culture, and it's caused so much confusion and justification for women. What do I mean by that? Well, confusion, what does a woman, what does it mean to be a woman? See, some of you struggle because you try to act like, I'm a woman of God at church, right? But then when you go to work and home, you nag, you emotionally abuse your husband. You don't think that happens? See, you're allowed to now. hundred years ago, you take advantage of good men. hundred years ago, no offense, and this isn't okay, Right? 200 years ago, bad men could hurt you. Am I wrong? And there was barely any sort of issue with it. Now, stay with me. I'm not saying that was a good thing. It's not. But what I'm saying is, is that, you know, we now have this situation where a good man, because men can still do that. They still abuse their wives, okay? But when a man tries to love, particularly in the church, and he tries to be kind, we take that as weakness, and what do we do? You abuse it. It's no different than men that abuse a wife that tries to be loving and submissive. It's the same thing. Just, so confusion what being a woman actually means and justification and being justified and sinning under the guise of, well, I'm a woman, and I'll demand X, Y, Z. So it sets us up for today. I told you I got a lot. I got to keep going. Listen, I love words. I'm shifting gears here. I love words. 
my major in college was English, actually. And I only switched to history because I didn't want to, I wanted to graduate faster and I didn't want to take another year of foreign language. I'm just being honest. So my minor, they didn't have a Bachelor of Science in English. It's the difference between the other. But they had one in my minor. So I'm three classes short of a double major. I love English. I only did history. I mean, I like history too. But I, honestly, it was laziness. That's the, reason, that's the reason my degree is history. Okay, I was done. That being said, that's why I always talk about words because I love them. I love words. And a word I love, even just the sound of it, is the word audacity. Audacity. Now, a lot of people, it has a negative context, right? The audacity of that man, right? What is audacity? It's not going to be up there for you. It is a word that means an intrepid, listen to this, I like this. It's got another one of my favorite words in it. I'll give you some definition. An intrepid boldness. Knights admired for their audacity. Interesting. So it came from like knights. You already got me. Right? Intrepid boldness. Don't tell me that isn't a cool phrase. Intrepid boldness. This thing is stabbing me. I'm so angry. Uh, I'm going to be intrepid and bold about it and throw it across the room. B, second, bold or arrogant. A bold or arrogant disregard of normal restraints. Of normal restraints. What's considered normal? Interesting, they threw arrogant in there. Man, I even think sometimes Merriam-Webster conditions this. Anything that doesn't go with normal is arrogant, right? And then <clears throat> it also is boldness or daring, especially with confidence or arrogance. And then this one is, I, I love this, disregard for personal safety, conventional thought, or other restrictions. Did I lose you already? Some of you don't like words. I could you mean to draw audacity. I have no way to do it. <clears throat> Circle with audacity written in the middle. Anyway, it's courage in the face of convention. It's the willingness to be different. It's the willingness to speak up when everyone else is quiet. To speak up against injustice when the entire world is against it is audacity. It's having the audacity to do it. A lot of times, how dare they? What an audacious person. It's a good audacious. This is a pretty word, right? A Christian, all Christians should have audacity, but we don't. What we do is you soften, we soften Christianity so it's not so audacious. It's not so um, <clears throat> offensive. Jesus was audacious. He was. He had the audacity to stand up against the powerful, the religious, the elite. He had the audacity to touch the untouchable, to love the unlovable, and to forgive the unforgivable. I love it. Dude, I love it. When you preach enough, you can look out and literally see the people who are sleeping with their eyes open. It's an uncanny power. It really is. I love it. And then they go, I'm awake. Can you start moving, right? Because you've learned the art of like subconsciously, you know, <laughs> don't laugh, don't smile, be miserable. <laughs> That's the other person in the room. I'm going to like make a skit sometime about the people in church because you got the person, and this is guy or girl, they don't want me to think that they enjoy any of this. So they only go, but then you kind of, I love it, because you kind of break through and out, and they go, I see you. Just smile. <clears throat> the world needs audacious people. We are called to be audacious. We are called to be bold, daring, courageous men and women. We need men and women who are willing to be different, who are willing to pursue something different than the world calls normal. You ready for this? That are willing to pursue something different than the church calls normal. Because I, I get a lot of heat for this. Todd hates the church. No, I don't. I love the church. I just want it to be what the Bible says it is. And, if, and let's be real. It ain't. 
Yes, and by the way, we are part of that. See, I don't include myself above that, but I want to be. I'm going to tell you that to be kings and queens, to be image bearers of God as we were made to be, Genesis tells us that, right? We were made in the very image of God to rule and subdue, to walk around as walking statues of his glory. To be that is to be audacious. To be that is to be different, is to be bold, is to be courageous. The problem is, is that everyone tends to focus on the areas of courage they want to grow in. I'm challenging you today to be courageous in the areas you don't. I want to challenge you to be courageous in the areas that God's calling you to that you don't want to admit, that you don't want to focus on, that you don't want to change. That's courage. Taking from this today that you want to be more courageous in being the real you, it means nothing if the real you doesn't line up with who Jesus has called you to be. In the next few weeks, we're going, to, we're going to focus on one trait of the type that God has called men and women to be, a trait of the king and a trait of the queen. I'm going to try to fit them into one. I know that's crazy. I was going to go back and forth, but, you know, goldfish. So <clears throat> we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about how, on the flip side, how can women, queens, whether you're married or not, how can you help your husbands, your brothers in Christ, how can you help them be who they're called to be? Men, how can you inspire and help women be who they're called to be and not make it harder? It's going to take courage. It's going to take a willingness. Some of you in this room, it's going to take a willingness to admit that you might have spent 20, 30, 40 years behaving like a coward. Behaving under a mask and being willing to say, today's the day I'm done. They're not going to believe you. Your wife, your family, they're not going to believe you that you're, they're really going to change. But here's the thing. A king doesn't change just to get a response from other people, right? Because then you're just being the jester or whatever else. You change because that's what God's called you to do. And women, it's the same for you. Are you willing to admit? Are some of you willing to go to your husbands today and repent? If we don't get a husband or wife in the next few weeks repenting to their spouse, there's a problem. I'm going to be honest with you. That's a fact. Probably both of you. But see, that's a problem. Some of you are like, you apologize, and you're like, and I'm going to wait for him or her to respond in kind. You're just making a covert contract. I will admit I'm wrong, and now you admit you're wrong. And that's not why you do it. I have a lot to go through. Single men and women, listen, this matters to you too. Don't view this, you know, God's commands to us often, uh, as men and women, they do relate to marriage. In fact, it's the parts that people dislike the most. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to you. <clears throat> so, guys, we'll start with you. Just how it goes. All right. <clears throat> I love the verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Lionheart, guys, you'll know what this is. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Faith. <laughs> Act like men. Be strong. It's interesting. A lot of translations take out. This is so funny. Go look at the NIV. They have changed. Act like a man. And it says, be courageous. But I'm going to twist it. I'm going to twist them back. I'm going to use it for our advantage. First of all, that tells you something right there. Why did they change that? Did I make that happen with the lights? No. Did you see that? Man. No, I don't do it again. Uh, act, it has been, go, feel free to look it up in your, in your little verse right now. Look at the NIV. It changes it to, right, 
The verse is changed. Put that back up. It says, it'll say, be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. But the actual translation is act like a man. Now, you ready for me to flip it? I'm going to take it, world, that you try to make evil. I'm going to make it good. The very nature of manhood is associated with courage. Women, some of you are going, oh, I'm brave too. Why do you have to think that way? Why is if I say men are called to be courageous, it's insulting to you? This, you see how you've been brainwashed? You've been brainwashed. And I, I, I wish I could, like, read minds because some of y'all, you know I got you. First, as soon as I said men are called to be courageous, you're like, I'm called to be courageous too. I'm a woman. No one said you weren't. <sighs> Man, I wish we could all just be real all the time. Of course, it would be terrible too. <clears throat> Act like a man. Be courageous. One of the traits associated with being a man of God and being a king is that of courage. Now, even to this day, you want to make a man mad, call him a coward. Say he's afraid. There's not a man in here if I call you a coward. Now, your definition might be a little different, right, of what may, but you hate it. I do. You call me a coward, I want to fight, right? Or I do something stupid and prove that I'm not. Like if you say, hey, I bet you're too afraid to jump off this building, I'm going to be like, oh, really? I'm serious. My f- close friends will know this, right? You try to manipulate Todd, it's very easy. Just imply I can't or won't do something. I bet you won't give me $100 because you're a chicken. I'll show you, right? Courage. What is courage? Well, definition again. Courage is the the ability to do something that frightens one. It is strength in the face of pain or grief. It is mental or moral strength to venture. That means adventure, go out. Persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Courage is doing the right thing even when it will have a cost. You want to know, men, where we fall short? Right there. Now, a cost, you're like, oh, I'm willing to give a cost. This is where I'm trying to, like, I feel like I sound dumb when I try to be deep, but actually it's because I think I, you're not staying with me. Because what I'm about to say is going to take some, some brain power. Listen to me. <clears throat> One man can take two men and say, hey, jump in the deep end of the pool. One man jumps in immediately, doesn't even think about it. Another man doesn't. What's the difference? One man knows how to swim, the other doesn't. He's not afraid. Same act, but he's not afraid. It doesn't really take courage for the guy that knows how to swim to jump in the deep end of the pool. You get what I'm saying? So courage is only shown when it involves a cost to you, to you personally. Not a cost to that I say, not, you know, someone might say, hey, $100 to some of us in this room is a lot, and to others it's like, that's no big deal. Courage looks different, but the definition always stays the same. It will, have, it will have a cost. And that's the problem. You can walk through life, the mercenary, the CEO, and he can look like he has it all together. But he, he's too afraid to enter into his family, to raise his children, to love his wife. Courage looks different depending on your situation, but we're all called to be courageous. The call to be courageous is nearly always accompanied with trusting in God. It is. David did not stand before a giant with a sling, listen to me, because he was a bad man. How do we know that? When he showed up, they're like, who is this? Who is this? Somebody get this guy on my face. We need an actual fighter here. He was not tough, not strong, not a bad man. He didn't. He just trusted a big God. Courageous is always accompanied with trusting God. Putting our faith and trust in God enables us to show courage. 
Hear that? I lose you? Do I have to throw a podium today? You guys are half asleep. It's, ele- it's 11.57. How are you still sleepy? Go get some coffee. All right? Putting our faith and trust in God enables us to show courage. I'm going to talk about Jesus and his courage in a second, but in a way maybe you haven't heard. Okay, or verses you haven't heard, because these speak to me. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, and that's your name. Isaiah 50, 6 through 7. Is that here? We good? Now, this is prophecy, and it's shifting to Jesus, essentially, God. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's foreshadowing, but view this as Jesus speaking. I gave my back to those who beat me, and my cheeks to those who tore out my beard. I did not hide my face from scorn and spitting. The Lord God will help me, therefore I have not been humiliated. Why do you have to say that? Because we don't view, we, ooh, I'm growing up, we don't view that as humiliating. But in that culture, pulling someone's beard out, right, it's painful, I mean, it's humiliating. It's embarrassing. The Lord will help me, therefore I have not been humiliated. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. I have set my face like flint. What do you know about flint, anyone? It's hard. It's sharp. You go to Luke, the Gospel of Luke 9.51. When the days were coming up, were coming to a close for him to be taken up. That's a euphemism, another fancy word. It means it's putting it in a pretty way. How about I change it? When the days were coming to a close for him to be beaten, spit, ridiculed, spitting upon, ridiculed, and crucified. To die. When the days were coming to a close for him to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. There's another version that said, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face. It's the idea that he looked down on it, he was fully man, fully God, had fear, and resolved and set himself to go into it. That's the type of courage we're called to. We say we're brave, but some of you don't have the courage to walk into the room where your wife is sobbing. Some of you don't have the courage to walk in and help your child who's struggling. Some of you don't have the courage to repent of sin, to change. Some of you don't have the courage to truly follow Jesus. You come for your spouse because you love him or her, but you don't actually care anything about Jesus because you don't have the courage to give up yourself. Set his face like a flint when the days drew near for him to be taken up. What did that mean? Well, it means the pain, the hurt, the loneliness, the agony that was coming. Remember Jesus' humanity here. Fully God, fully man. You don't have to understand it, but let's, let's focus on the man part. Do you not think, this is going to mess with you, do you not think Jesus would have enjoyed marriage? (gasps) Yeah. You don't think he had moments where he longed? He was a man made in God's image. He didn't lust it. We all make like, he didn't like, oh yeah, of course he did. He found women beautiful. He would have wanted to be married. He would have thought of that. He would have wanted to have friends. You think he didn't have places he loved to visit or he would have loved to visit? Do you think he wanted to die? The Bible tells us he didn't. Come and pray for me, he tells his friends. Some of you don't have the courage to tell your friends when you're scared. Jesus did. When you're struggling, pray for me. I don't want to do this. But more than his own desires and more than the consequences, he wanted to please the Father. He wanted to please God. 
That is the definition of courage. The willingness to go towards tough situations for the sake of good. Listen, not screaming, not dragging your feet, not complaining all the way to church that morning. Not, but resolutely and with courage, walking towards it. Why? Because of his trust in the Father and his desire to be who he was called to be. You know, a lot of times lately, you know, it's funny how we kind of justify things. I think I've justified my anger and bitterness from a good place, but it's still the same. It's the same thing. Like I get so, I I am mind boggled by some of you in this room. This is clearly I'm going off the notes now. I'm going to I'm going to offend you. I am mind-boggled. I'm not even trying to be arrogant. I'm being serious. Let's just talk. I don't care what you believe, okay? I care. You should believe the truth because I want you to be in paradise and, and not go to hell, okay? And to know what real life is. But beyond that, it's, it, I, I don't get a cookie if you, if you follow Jesus. Some of you in this room, I've never understood why you want to play church. What a weird game to play. There's so many other games that are more fun. I'm just being honest. So you come here and you go through it. And, and listen, I admire your, your commitment to the game. And I'm talking to members too. Your commitment to the game is you come every week and you listen to a sermon, but you don't apply it. You can't wait till it's over. You count down the time. You don't worship. You don't think. You're mad most of the time. You just want to get out here because it's boring. And this goes for ladies too. It's not just men. And I don't understand that. I genuinely don't. I, you know, I would love to sit down with some of you and go, why do you do that? If this wasn't real, I would not be up here. This is, I, I, this is not pastor talk. I'm just talking to you as Todd. I literally would choose a better game. So why do you come? If you're not a Christian, you came because your cute girlfriend asked you, that's fine. I get it, man. You know, it makes sense. But if you came here, right, and you're going to sit here, why not try to get something from it? Particularly if you claim the name of Christ. Do you come in trying to point out all the ways that the preacher, it's not just going to be me, there's going to be others, is wrong? It's funny because they're always wrong when they don't agree with what you agree with. Isn't that weird? Anyway, I don't know. Just wondering why we, why, why we do that in Christianity. It's such a weird game. Like, go join Kiwanis or something. It's easier. <clears throat> a man is determined and showing courage, a man that's determined and showing courage, inspires, guys, listen, a man who is acting as a king, single, married, it doesn't matter, a man who's acting as a king and shows courage, listen to me, you ready? He inspires the saints and pushes back against the world. He expands the kingdom by his very nature. Where he goes, the kingdom goes. Luke chapter 4, verses 29 through 30, one of my favorite little sections about Jesus that people skip over. They, a crowd, this was after he healed them and stuff. The first minute, this is so funny because I just talked to you guys about I forgot about it. Once he told them truth, they wanted to kill him. They, they, they wanted to throw him off, so they backed him up. The picture we get is they, they sort of herded him to a cliff. So behind him is a cliff. So they got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. How did he do that? Some people think he magically, like, teleported. That is an actual thought, that he, like, ooh, or he Batman, you know, through a smoke screen. No, I believe he set his face like a flint. You ever met a man of courage? You ever seen that happen? You ever seen videos where the situation's going crazy, there's a bully, and a guy doesn't have to hit anywhere or anything. He just stands up in their face, and what do they do? The bully backs away. He pushes back against the world. A man of courage can do that. 
people respect it, even if they don't like it. If we want the church to be everything it's supposed to be, we have to be that. But you have to admit, you ready? This is hard. You have to admit you're not courageous in the areas you're not courageous in. Not in a, I'm so terrible. That's not good either. So, I got to your list. That's what you want to hear. We're talking about courage today in this first half. Men, listen to me. You are called to be courageous. I have it up here. Remember? You can use the NIV. Act like men. Be courageous. Why did Paul have to tell that church? Why? Why did he tell them? Why did he tell the church in Corinth? Hey, he, and by the way, this is towards the end of the entire book. Hey, make sure to remind the guys, be strong, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be courageous. Why? Because if this church is going to survive in this town, this pagan town that hates Christ, it's going to take men of courage. Because it takes courage to stand firm in the faith. Steadfast. Steadfast. You know what that word means? It means you're not going to move me. So, a king shows courage, right? A king shows courage, one, at home. A king shows courage at home. How does he do that? Well, one, he enters into his marriage. Do you want me to tell Guys, you're not a fly on the wall. You're not a nail in the wall. You're an active participant in your family. I get it. Some of us didn't grow up in families where you've seen that. It takes a lot of work. I am not great at this, but I want to be. Do you? Are you willing to admit you're not? I can guarantee you, okay, I love my family, but I did not see necessarily a person actively involved in certain aspects of family. I, I, I just didn't. It was very independent. But that's what a man is called to do, to be uncomfortable. You enter into your marriage. Do you enter in? Do you talk to your wife? Talk to your wife. Do you talk to her? Well, she doesn't want to talk. Then go talk to her anyway. When she goes into her room and shuts the door and is crying, when you know something's wrong but you don't want to ask because you, quote, don't want to deal with the drama, you are being a coward. I'm being honest. That doesn't mean they're right all the time, <laughs> okay? Sometimes you got to have the courage to tell your wife, you're wrong. I love you, but you're wrong. Do you enter into your marriage? Do you romance your spouse? Do you seduce your wife? <gasps> that doesn't mean walk in and go, what's up, honey? Why don't you roll on over? That's not, I'm sorry, I'm being real. That's not, that's not seducing your wife. Because you did when you were pursuing her to date her. I guarantee you did. Now, ladies, you don't get to go home and go, hey, you're being a coward. You ain't seducing me. That's not the role here. Men, that is entering into your marriage. Talking to her, praying with her. But she doesn't like to pray. They ain't always going to want to pray with you, man. Sometimes you just got to say, okay, well, I'm going to pray. If you've got a wife that's a Christian, okay, and if you're a Christian male, I hope you did that. If not, you, you still got to love her. But if you're a man who's married, she should at least be able to stubbornly sit there while you pray. And if not, then you walk away and pray. You don't go, bust everything. A lot of times guys do that too. I'm going to be holy towards her. The moment she rejects you, you start kicking the wall, throwing eggs across the room. I don't know why eggs. But anyway, you make a mess. You make a mess, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, I'm going to do this good. You know what? we? I do that. I don't throw eggs or punch things. But I do get mad because I'm like, I've tried and you made me feel stupid. Right? That's the feeling. And you know it. Or you might not be the kicker podium thrower, but you walk away and run to the, the garage and don't come out for four days. Do you enter into your marriage? Two, he's active in raising his children. I kind of skipped ahead of that. Are you active? 
Do you think being a father means you just come home and give a paycheck? Is that what you think? Some of you do. Single guys, you want to learn to be a father, start practicing. Don't assume I'll be better than all those other dads. You think they didn't, you think a dad wakes up and goes, you know what, I want to be an absent father. Nobody does that. Nobody does. Nobody wakes, I don't believe that. So how does it happen? Because being a father is going to show you very quickly all the ways in which you're lacking. It's going to. From the very moment you have a baby born, it's like, what do I do? I can't feed the baby, right? Like, yeah, we got formula. I'm wake them. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, naturally, there's a period of time where the mother is, that's it. She's the one that's taking care of it. And, that, and for us, it's going to be like, I, what, what do I do here? You do whatever it takes. Do you change diapers? Do you get up at night? Do you watch the baby? Well, they get older, okay. Are you helping to potty train? Even older. Are you going to the daddy-daughter dances? Are you ta- A lot of times, by the way, some of you dudes in here, it's heartbreaking. Because you treat your daughters like queens because you're good at being a gentle man. You do it even to your daughters, but you treat your sons like garbage. You treat your sons like garbage. And all that does is con- con- contribute to the same pattern. A son needs a father. And if you're in this room and you didn't have a father, you know exactly what I mean. It's hard and it hurts and it makes life a lot harder. And God can father us and people can come into our lives. But you have a calling to your son too. Well, he doesn't respond the same way and he doesn't hug me and make me feel good. How do you make him feel? Being a father isn't about you. Being a father is about them. Well, my son's grown. I'm sorry, are you still not dad? You think it stops because they're 18? I've met so many people, well, they're grown. What does that mean? Are you active in raising your children? Do you discipline without abusing? There's different definitions. Some people don't discipline at all, and some of you abuse. Either one causes wounds. Got to move on. I ain't going to get through everything. Number three, stands between family and fear. Are you willing to stand between your family and fear? What does that mean, Todd? Whatever it means in the moment. Sometimes it's a storm. Sometimes it's a crazy world where you've got to go, hey, it's going to be okay. Sometimes it's financial situations. How are we going to make it? Are you going to be the one that takes the weight so they don't have to be afraid? And sometimes it means physically standing up and saying, get away from my kids. Get away from my wife. Whatever it is, are you willing to stand between your family and fear or do you just let, them, let, let the wolves have them? Here's a way I can tell you. Do you allow your in-laws to disrespect your family? Ooh, not Notice what I said there. I didn't say your parents, because sometimes you'll stand. Do you allow her parents to disrespect her? Do you allow her parents to scare your family, manipulate, bully? Do you allow your parents to shame and hurt? Do you do that? That's not being courageous. A king shows courage at church. By the way, you can't be a king without Christ, because you don't know how. I'm, I'm serious. How, how are you going to learn how to be a king? Well, there's uh, King Henry VIII. Yeah, he killed a bunch of people, right? You want to be a king, you've got to follow the one who is the king, who is the king of kings. So I'm just going to say that right now. <clears throat> I want to make that joke in the English. Yeah, shows courage at church. How? Serves. Do you serve? No, you don't. Do you serve? Why do I have way more female, vol- uh, female volunteers than male? Oh, this church is a little rare and cool because there's a lot of awesome guys but typically that's the case why is that go into any church today you're going to see more men women than men why you're going to act like it's because i'm busy i got stuff to do now you're a chicken 
Let's just be real. You're afraid. You're shy. It's so funny. Do you guys don't want to admit that? You are a shy person. I'm just going to say it. Who, me? Yes, you. Whoever it's applying to, that's you. It's okay. There ain't no shame in it. Just quit lying to yourself that's because, you know, I don't serve because I'm too busy. No, you're not. You're either snoring before church or leaving early to catch football. Either way, you could serve. And I love football. All right. Do you worship? Do you worship God? Because a king worships. Well, I mean, I worship by singing without singing. I'm singing in my head. That's funny. I take you to a football game, pro game. Oh, I don't like sports, Todd. Okay, pro hunting tournament, whatever. And you're going, yeah, woo, right? I've watched you. Go watch the Super Bowl. Men are will paint themselves at uh, your work conference. I bet you're like, woo, right? If your boss, I, this is so funny. I love. I'm about to make some men mad. Listen, some of you guys, if you're in a room right now with all your other little VPs and all your other workers, and the CEO of the company says, hey, stand up, everyone. We're going to sing the chant, the work chant today. You're going to sit here and go, no, yes, you would. I worked at a bank. I watched people do this. They did this thing one time when the CEO got up, and he started dancing. I hope he's not watching. I know what he was trying to do, okay? He got, it was so awkward. It was all training day. We're all there, and this guy gets up. Now, I'd only been working a little bit, so I didn't remember which VP or whatever, and he starts dancing, okay? And he stands there for five minutes, and nobody moves, and we're all going, there's no music. I forgot that part. All of a sudden, a woman, and I know her, she uh, worked in, I can't, she like worked up front in the main office like a ministry assistant. She goes up and starts doing it with him, and I'm going, well, eventually, Somebody spoils the joke, and here's the thing. He, the point was, he was trying to say you can inspire people to do anything if you have the courage to be the first one to do it. It backfired terribly, but once he said, once he said, this is what we're doing, everybody got up and started going, right? Because the CEO of the company was looking stupid, and he's telling everybody, hey, you're going to dance. And guess what? You got up and danced. So if your boss came in tomorrow, some of you, I don't care what you are, and he goes, hey, we're going to dance, we're going to sing today. We're going to sing the work chant. Here's yours. And he's looking right at you. You act all tough. I promise you, you're going to go, Ford is great, right? You, you're, that's assuming you work at Ford, all right? You're going to do that. So what does that say about your view of God? I'm serious. He worships. He has the courage to worship. I'm not even trying to make you dance, although if you want to, David did. All right, shows courage church. Why? In community. Listen, guys, a little secret for you. I'm about to ruin the illusion, although some of you probably can already tell. I'm not naturally, I don't like it. I don't like community. I like people. I know. I don't like community. I don't. I had to work at this. I, just because, like, you could be decent with people and not want to be around them. <laughs> you understand what I mean? You could be good with people, but not want to be around A lot of you are like, yeah, that's me. I get it, right? Here's the thing. I had to work, especially the idea of, like, needing people, letting people help you. My family, one of the things I'm proud about, they kind of brought them up by their bootstraps. I mean, really, moved away from everything they knew, and it was just our five and our family. That's the way I was raised. I'm not used to this stuff, but I've worked hard at it because the Bible tells me to do that. It's not optional. You are to be with other believers in community. And that goes against our Americanized Christianity. That's why a lot of people love these massive churches where you can slide in and slide out because you go in, get your, get your Big Mac your way, and then leave. We are called to offer. We can't be a body if we're not together. You understand what I'm saying? My hand is gone. That makes it difficult. I don't know why I did this. Um, 
We're supposed to be in community. They show courage in being that. That means you're going to be uncomfortable, right? David, right? He did that. If you know a guy, he'll talk to you about it, right? This, I get it. That's a, I'm not bragging on him, actually. It's pretty cool. And finally, at church, and I, I put this here because it's important, he speaks truth when difficult. Are you willing to stand up for truth? I've said this many times before. As a pastor at this church, when people, visitors come, of all the crazy things I've said <laughs> that I shouldn't say or the way that I say them I shouldn't, by the way, I admit that, first person to admit that, the thing that makes people the most mad and hate me is always, I promise this is the truth, is when I speak the truth. They have been mad at me when I speak the biblical truth every time. It's not the fact that I'm abrasive. It's not. It always starts with, hi, this is the truth. I hate you. Now, everybody says they're willing to do that, but you're not. You're not because you won't even speak truth to yourself. A man of courage is going to speak truth at church when difficult. He's going to stand up. <clears throat> okay, and finally, he shows courage in the world. What do I mean by that? Well, he's willing to stand for truth when it isn't popular. Stand for truth when it isn't popular. Two, he's willing to set culture in the face of opposition. Are you willing to set culture in the face of opposition? Willingness to show faith when the world is panicked and scared. This is a big one. It's hard. We're human. But do you realize what we say we believe? And yet for two years we panicked and wouldn't even gather together. Now, that's not political. I'm not speaking even, I mean, it is a little, but it's not primarily that. It's not politics. It's saying, what did we allow as Christians fear to do to us? What does that say about the God we say we believe in? You know, Jesus went, people in this world have went and preached to lepers. And some of us wouldn't go to a nursing home because they might have had a virus. And I'm not saying when you legally can't, I'm saying, would you even be willing and yet we say we believe in the God of the universe. We follow Jesus. You know, even in this church, I can't tell you how many times we showed our true colors sometimes, turn on each other like a pack of wolves. Somebody gets COVID and find out they came to church. You won't believe how many times. How dare, I can't believe they were that irresponsible. You think, like they knew it. Uh, we just got uh, shadow banned. I said COVID. <sighs> Joke's on them, we're not live. Willingness to show faith when the world is panicked and scared. The way that we approach this scary world right now is a testimony. We have to start living out of courage. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Apostle Paul said that. Do you believe that? He was so, he, he understood reality and eternity. And I'm not saying I'm there all the time, guys, but that's where I want to be. How can I say I believe if I'm just as panicked as the people who have no hope? So, ladies, I got something for you in this section too. How does a queen inspire courage? Yeah, no. Did you not? You didn't get that? I didn't give you that part. Don't put this up. Get, get away from this. Bailey, get this off the screen. There we go. <laughs> we panicked her. Let's try it again. How does a queen, I think you got it up at the end. How does a queen inspire courage? You got it? Number one, encourage moments of courage. Encourage moments of courage. In men. When they try, ladies, when your husband tries to come and talk to you and he's awkward about it, instead of comparing him to the romance novel you're reading or whatever Netflix show you're watching, what if you just appreciated it? What if you spoke into it? Two, why don't you learn, you know, this is a queen that's married. Follow his lead when you're scared. Though I could say follow Christ when you're scared. 
Do you follow his lead when you're scared or do you take control? Listen, another way you can inspire courage in men is don't try to manipulate through fear or shame. Men should stand up anyway, but women, you have an ability, and you already know it. You were raised in school to learn. that We all learn it. You learned as a little girl, I can, if I embarrass these guys, they'll do whatever I want. Fear and shame. And last, if you have children, you can raise a young king with courage. So ladies, I don't have a ton of time, but we're going to go through this. We have a big section of scripture we're going to focus on over the next few weeks with you. Uh, we talked about Proverbs. It's not the entire book of Proverbs, but it is. Um, has many of the same things. And we're going to talk about courage for women. Same thing. And a lot of it's going to look the same, but it's slightly different. If you have your Bibles, look at 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. This is the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. And he says this. Now, it says wives, but listen, you're, you're, it's, it's not just wives here. It's women, okay? In the same way, just like, how do I mean that? Okay, just like when it says overseers, right? Overseers in the Bible's pastors, more than that. Elders. When it's talking about that, the Apostle Paul gives these traits of being an elder. And it says every, every man should aspire to be this. That means these are traits in men that everyone should aspire to be. It's the same here. Okay? In the same way, wives, here we go, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over without a message by the way their wives live. Oof, there's that dirty word. Submit. When they observe your pure, reverent lives. Your beauty should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold ornaments or fine clothes. Instead, it should consist of what's inside the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also beautified themselves in this way. In what way? By consisting and letting their beauty be more what's inside the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. Quiet just doesn't mean you're silent, by the way. In control. Not chaotic, not dramatic. You get it? Right? Do we get what that means? For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also beautified themselves in this way, submitting, here we can, now this is interesting, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children, Sarah. When you do what is good, and are not frightened by anything alarming. There's that dirty word in there, submission. And what does submission have to do with not being frightened by anything? Having courage. That dirty word, submission. Believe it or not, we're not going to talk about that today. We are going to talk about it. It's here. Okay? No one. You said you wanted this. I can see your angry faces now. All right? Listen, can I be honest? I'll say this again. I don't, like, you think your husbands want to love you like Christ loves the church? Nah. Nah. They don't. I don't care what they tell you. There's times they don't want to. Because that means sacrifice. So, what do we take from this? I'm going to go through and explain a little bit. A queen's life is characterized, that's what we had earlier, by what? We, just from this, we can take. Okay? One, hope. You didn't expect that, did you? That was going to be submission. No, hope. A woman of God, a queen, her life is characterized by hope. For in the past, holy women put their hope in God. 
Let me take you back to Sarah. Let me take you back to ancient women. I just talked about it earlier. How much harder, ladies, would it take to have hope in Christ when you are dominated, when you are discriminated against, when you are put down, when you are uh, told what you can and cannot do in this world? How much harder would it have been then to say, oh, that is a good God that loves me? And now we sit here and we talk about even the idea of submission. Some of you say, well, there's no hope because you're called to submit. Do you see how you've been brainwashed? Your hope is in God what? And this whole thing, well, there's so much here. Next week, I'm going to dive us deep in. We're flipping it, right? The guys are going to get it. We're going to go back and forth. It's hard to fit everything. Just trust me, okay? You're getting a preview. But when we think about this, right? submitting to your own husbands, and then he says hope. There's this idea, and remember, he talks here, even if what? They disobey the Christian message. When your husband doesn't act like a king, what is going to drive you to continue to act like the woman of God you were called to be? Is it not hope that God is going to do what he said he's going to do, that God will sustain you, that God will keep you, that God will love you, that God will fulfill you, that he will keep his promise to you, even when on the world, from the world's perspective, you have no hope? Ladies, I'm under no illusion. Some of your marriages are loveless and miserable and sad and broken, and you are heart, heart, your heart's broken. You're struggling sometimes to get up in the morning. I get that. And I'm sorry. And so is your father. But you show the quality of your faith and how you respond in those moments. But you've been told that's wrong. You've been told that you really want to. Because what is it when a woman says, no, I will dominate my house. I will be in control. I will threaten. I will shame. I will take over. What does it mean but you don't trust God? I've had people come up to me before and ask me. This is the kind of real questions, men, by the way. It goes to both of us. Ladies, I've had people come, and please hear me. I I don't have all the right answers, but I've had some. Todd, how do I submit? How do I respect my husband when I, serious to God, don't know if we're going to be able to pay the mortgage next week? I don't know if we're going to have groceries. How do I do that without taking over? I don't know. I don't know. No, you should never let your kids starve, right? You have responsibility, those kinds of things. Take care of business, stay in the house. But listen, what a testimony that you still somehow show respect to your husband when he's not respectable. Because your call to respect him was never, ever, ever about his worthiness, but about God's. That's why Ephesians 5 is so powerful. Guys, ladies, don't forget what the analogy is in Ephesians 5 when you are called to submit. Right? You submit to your husband... He is the head of the family as Christ is the head of the church. And then he tells the husband this crazy thing. Hey, I want you to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And then Paul does this beautiful thing. It gives me goosebumps. If you've been in my pre-marriage council, you know what I'm talking about. It's so beautiful. He says, this is a mystery. But if you want to know what the relationship, your relationship with the Father is like, with God, you'll see it in marriage. How do two people who see the worst in each other continue to love and be committed and faithful? How do they make a promise that's not contingent on the other person's faithfulness? How do you respect the unrespectable in here? How do you love the unlovable? 
Jesus did it. Jesus does it with us. The most beautiful thing, and I've seen it. There's some of you women, I see you do it. Some of you don't. It is a testimony. And your hope can't be even, this is so hard, your hope isn't even necessarily in that your husband is going to change. Right? I love it. Believe it. God answers prayer because it says it right here, right? Even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over without a message, meaning without your words, by the way their wives live. The power you wield in your husband's wife, whether he admits it or not, is so incredible. I've told this story countless times. I don't even want to tell it again, but I'm going to tell a quick version, right? The guy, husband and wife, went to church. He was a deacon in the church. He's doing all the right things. They get home. He literally says, shut up. Don't say God. Don't talk to me about the Bible. Don't pray. Get away from me. I don't want to see a Bible in this house. That, you believe that stuff doesn't happen. That happened. And then he'd go on Sunday and go, hey, praise you, brother. 20 years, that woman cried and prayed until eventually he repented, and now they get to serve and ministry together where they do marriage counseling. How'd that happen? And I know the woman. She showed him respect still. Even in respect and not reading it in front of him. How crazy is that? It's hope. And God used her, by the way. She had her own ministry even during that time. She didn't let that stop her from going out and, and, and ministering to people and loving people. Hope. I could be all day on this. Listen, you have to have hope that God will keep his promises because he will. What does that mean? That even if your husband, if he isn't worthy, which by the way, some of you have worthy husbands, you just don't do it. Because you don't believe and have hope that doing it God's way is the right way. You think he, your husband's a moron and you got to run things. What if I said that? What if I was like, yeah, you're a moron and that's why your husband's got to run you. How's that feel? That don't feel good. You're a moron. No, <laughs> you're not. But I'm saying it wouldn't feel good, right? Hope. A queen's life is characterized by two, submission. What do you mean submit? You ready, single people? I hear this. Okay, submit to God. First and foremost, it's submission to God. You know, a lot of pastors, I even read articles as I studied. I don't do this often, but in this one, I want to see how people did it. Even pastors, some pastors I admire, when it comes to this topic, they always, it irritates me. And I want to, I almost, oh, well, God, we really admired did this. It irritates the crap out of me. He, what he did is he starts talking about submission, and then he immediately says, but let's look at what submission is, because it also starts with we submit to God, all of us, and it ends with we all submit to God, and we submit to each other. You just weakened it. You just gave an excuse to women by saying, oh, okay, so it's just that thing we're all supposed to do. No, you have a specific call within a marriage. I'm sorry if it offends you. That's why I don't bring it up. Somebody's like, why does he never bring up the end of Ephesians where it says, um, you know, submit to each other in mutual submission. Because it, <laughs> I don't know why I do that voice. Because it's, that's not the point of what Paul meant earlier. It's, it's, it's not. He specifically said this, ladies, to you. But single, married, involves submission to God. God's way. Which also means that man-hating is a sin. Because you're hating an aspect of God. You're hating a fellow image bearer. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. Do you hate men? Some of you have reason. You've been hurt by men. It makes sense. There's a lot of bad guys out there. But it's kind of like I tell guys. Sometimes guys are like, I don't know why I can't find a girl. It's like, which hole are you fishing at? What kind of women are you trying to get? Here's the thing. What kind of men do you keep running back to? Some of you keep running back to playboys going, why is no man a king? Because playboys are easier. You know what you're going to get. You complain about it, but you know what you're going to get. 
or a gentleman. You, by the way, you might be with a gentleman because he's already mad that I'm telling him this because it's calling him out to do something. So he's already upset. He's like, that guy's stupid. Why? I don't know. His face is funny. It's never about truth. It's never about the words. Okay, now we're going to get to the two parts I want to talk about today very, very briefly. i got to move, man. You're only going to highlight. i got to get you out of here. Oh, Queen's life is characterized by what? Beauty. Whoa, Todd, what were you talking about here? I thought you just said inward, blah, blah, blah. Why do you think Paul said your beauty should consist, should not, I mean Peter, sorry, should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold ornaments and fine clothes. Instead, it should consist of what's inside your heart. The heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. Here's the thing. Ladies, you naturally, in and of yourself, are more beautiful than males. It's just a fact. Outwardly even. You, you are more beautiful creatures. It's a, it's, a, it's a fact. I'm not trying to sweet talk you. I'm not even good at it. That's a fact. If, period. Okay? Everything about you and your nature is beautiful. It reflects God. I've actually said this, and so you can know that this isn't the pastors who like try to be like the white knight, right? Like all oh, women, I'm the perfect example. I'm not. I'm a terrible example. But this part I'm about to tell you is true. Ask my friends. I have met one ugly woman in my entire life. Only one. I'm not playing with you. I've met one. And it's because her insides were so disgusting that I, I mean, I literally, I want you to understand, I physically couldn't look at her. She was a horrible person. I'm not supposed to say she just was. And what made it even more horrible is she wrapped it in religion. So what I want you to say, why I say that, and I'm saying this to you for real. I want you to know, because some of you in this room, you're like, I'm not beautiful. Yes, you are. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you it are. But an inside, too, can make a woman, even if you believe, let's say it's true, you know, using men terms, I'm only a four on a ten. Yeah, but your inward beauty can make you a ten. Peter specifically spoken to this for a couple of reasons. One, it's because the world is going to try to manipulate you that way. They're going to try to, you know, they're going to try to get you to, you want to get my attention, you want the world's attention, you need to look beautiful outwardly, right? That should be the main focus. And Peter's reminding us, no, 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 right? All the way from Old Testament, beauty fades. You need to be focused on the inside. So does it say never take care of yourself, never, you know, look beautiful, never put effort in? Because some of you hide from your beauty. He said it should consist of inside the heart with the imperishable. Beauty fades. What is imperishable then? A gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. For the holy women who put their hope in God. Here we go again. What else? Hope in God. Also beautified themselves in this way. That's so good. That a hopeful woman that follows God is beautiful by her. And that's a fact. Guys, we got to start telling our sisters that. It's a fact. A woman, I have never met an ugly woman of God, ever. And I have this, this one's going to have a little more. So when we talk about beauty, and we're going to go deeper into this next week, but I want you to know, listen, a, when it comes to beauty, a queen does not fear her beauty. What does that mean? Sometimes people are abused. And what ends up happening, whatever kind of abuse it is, is you begin to fear it because it brought you attention, but it brought the wrong kind. So I want to kill my beauty. I don't want to ever be seen. I don't want to be looked at. I don't want to be noticed because when I am, it brings me bad. They fear her beauty, so she's afraid. And even if outwardly, like, oh, that person's pretty, she, she, she pushes people away with her attitude, right, with her anger. 
She doesn't fear her beauty. Your beauty, whoever abused you, it wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. That's their evil. has nothing to do with your beauty. She does not despise her beauty. What do I mean by that? You don't even try. I'm serious. If you're a queen, if you're a daughter of the Most High King, I'm not telling you to go out and buy Chanel. I don't know. Is that a, that's a brand, right? Put on a bunch of makeup. What I'm telling you is I'm not even telling you to put on makeup if you don't want to. But I think it's sad. When I hear a woman, like, despise makeup, immediately my red flags go up because I'm like, what do you really despise? It's not because I want it. Right? I don't care. If you wouldn't have brought it up, hey, I don't really like to wear makeup. Yeah, cool. I get why. But when you like, I hate, I hate, I hate, it's usually much deeper than just makeup. You despise your beauty. You've begun, you've believed the lie that there's nothing beautiful about you, so you let what the outside reflect what you think's on the inside, your value. You don't put any effort in because you don't think you're worthy of it. You don't think you have any beauty to show this world, so you what? You wilt. And you cover it with, you, oh, you just, you don't care. Yeah, you, it's not popular what I'm saying because I'm stereotyping, but you know it's true. Why do you want to be called beautiful? Because you reflect the very beauty of God, just who you are. And number three, this one's a little different. You don't weapon, she does not weaponize her beauty. Your beauty is not used for selfish gain. Your body is not used as a tool and a weapon to get. Do I need to say it? You don't have to to show everything. You don't have to dress provocatively just so you can what? Control men? Get the attention from men? Any kind of attention from men? I don't know what that looks like, ladies. Styles change. I'm not here to tell you to wear a trash bag, okay? And that's probably not a popular thing either, but we are where we're at. It is what it is. But I would tell you that you know your heart. What's your heart behind things, the things you do? Do you weaponize your beauty? Does your life consist of right, being the seductress? We didn't even talk about the mass of the women again. but And then four, it's courage. She's courageous. It takes courage to say God can define some aspects of who I am as a woman. It takes courage to say, to, to have hope in a hopeless situation. It has courage to be willing to deal with, wrestle with, fight with, accept the word submission in a marriage. It takes courage to say I'm going to respect men in general. Even You don't have to submit to any man but your husband, by the way. Other than authority, did you, did, I'm going to make that clear because some of that's gotten twisted. There's even been men who have like, you gotta, she got to submit. No, you knucklehead. You're called to submit to your husband. That's it. A lot of churches out there think somehow because you're a man you get to walk around commanding women. That's called a cult. <laughs> that's a fake laugh. Anyway, courage. We're going to go a lot more in depth today just like we did the first one. But listen, I hope you hear this. It's going to take courage for you to be the type of woman, women more so than men even. It's going to take courage within the church for you to say, I reject this feminism. I reject these lies. I'm going to go to the Bible for the truth. It's hard because you've been brainwashed your whole life. You have. Even within the church. It takes courage. But listen, this end is really beautiful. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. By the way, Abraham was an idiot. A lot of times. He acted like an idiot. We're going to talk about that next. I'm sorry. He, he did. He acted. There were moments he acted foolish. Okay? How about your husband comes and goes, hey, honey, I got an idea. All right? Like, or you come to him, you know, maybe you should just have a kid with another woman. 
He says, maybe I can't do it. And he goes, that's a good idea, honey. Thank you. Right? I don't care. what you, We know Sarah wasn't. We know she wasn't happy about that because we find out later. I literally envision it. She's like, I guess, you know, I guess I'm just worthless. Maybe you should go just take a servant. We're hoping he'd go, no, we're going to have faith in God. We're going to trust. And instead he goes, that's a great idea. Right? We don't think of it that way. What does it say? You have become her children, meaning you become like her when you do what is good. And when you do what is good, and she's not frightened by anything. Why? Because you have hope that your father will not leave you there to go in. But here's my, here's my thing, ladies. We might have to cut. We might have to do something here because I just got so much. <sighs> Men, how do you inspire? I didn't, I didn't get to listen. How do you inspire women? How do you inspire courage in women? How do you help a woman, a queen, be courageous? Well, it, it's the same thing. Encourage moments of courage. How do you respond when she puts effort in? Have you ever seen... I've seen this in real life. I don't, I can't, this is one of those moments I can't tell a personal story because the person, if they ever see this, will know. But if you've seen movies like this, it's really sad. So you see a woman, maybe, right? A woman who, who has been afraid of her beauty or it's been hurt and she actually tries and she comes out and she, she tries to love her husband and he just, what? What does he do? He stomps it. Do you speak into her? Do you notice the moments when she's respecting you? Or is it never good enough? And the reason it's not good enough is you're wanting her to make you feel like a man. She can't because you have to know you're a man. Do you, do you speak life into her? Do you thank her when she trusts you? You know how hard it is to give up control like that, to follow leadership, to follow moments just as hard? It, that's hard. Do you thank her? Do you crush her beauty? Do you crush her hope? Stop doing that. And fathers who have daughters, show them what a man is. Give them a reason to have hope. Don't abuse their beauty. Don't crush their heart. And don't be silent and absent either because it's the same thing. Because what does that say to a daughter except I'm not worth it? If I was more, he would see me. Do you guys have the audacity to be different? Do you have the audacity to, to look not at the areas you're naturally good at? Praise God, because you all got them. You're amazing people. By the way, you are kings and queens. You are made in the image of God. But do you have the audacity to live that way? Do you have the audacity to be different? People are going to call it weird, aren't they? Some of you have parents and friends who are in church, and they tell you, well, why do you do that? Why do you do this? Husbands, it's the same thing. We, you know... Do you have the audacity to be different? Do you have the audacity to follow God when it's not culturally popular? Do you have the courage? Do you have the willingness? Are you finally, man, church, men, women, are you willing to stop, goodness gracious, just talking the talk and do some walking? Are you willing to repent? Are you willing to say, God, I'm sorry that I haven't walked, right, in with the authority you've given me. I haven't walked in the purpose you've given me in my life. Lord, I see it. Have you invited God, the Holy Spirit, to heal those parts of you, man or woman, in which the enemy has fired arrows directly into your identity? Or are you going to keep wearing the mask? 
Stick around. Stay with me for the next few weeks. Okay? Because I can tell you this. A church filled with kings and queens who know who they are and behave how they are. If a woman, just a woman, just using the last session, can change a man who disobeys God just by her example, by living as a queen, can you imagine what kings and queens in a church could do to a community? What could they do? What could you do at your job? Could you with your families, friends? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your example. I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I'm such an imperfect messenger, and I'm so thankful that your word's perfect. God, I pray right now for all the people in this room, for the men who need to step up, who need to be men of courage. God, I pray for the women who have lost hope, who need to be courageous again, who need to step up. Lord, I pray for both that they would step into the places you have made for them. God, it doesn't matter. It's not an issue of of earning it. We are that in you, created to be your image bearers. We are sons and daughters of you, Lord. If we put our faith in you, particularly co-heirs with Christ, Lord, that, that comes with a responsibility to act like it. Lord, help us to be who we're called to be. Help us to take our roles seriously. Help us to pursue what it is to be a man and woman of God. Lord, help us to have hope in the moments we struggle, Lord. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear the ways we can be better and then the courage to follow it. God, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.